Hey everyone, welcome back. It has been a long, long time since we have spoken to you guys last. EA Sports Podcast with another episode. It's a great day. School is about to kick off and we are excited. I'm here with my counterpart, Anch. Anch, how are we doing today? It's been a long break, but we are glad to be back. Yeah, I mean, I've really missed doing these, but you know, both of us have been on vacation, both of us starting tennis for our respected schools and, you know... School's about to start soon. We won't be able to get these out as much, and so I'm glad to kind of end the summer off on a good note. Exactly. Me as well. I'm very excited, and like elaborating, we both played tennis. That's been a good start so far. We'll catch you guys up without how our tennis is doing, but I think you guys are more interested on how the U.S. Open is one of the big mm-hmm. tournaments in the tennis world. Anj, please get us caught up with all the news. U.S. Open started on Monday. And it's been going on the whole week. The third round is actually in progress right now. And so Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer all through to the third round. Nadal plays today, Federer, Djokovic tomorrow. And Andy Murray, who came off injury, his first major in a while, his first major since coming off injury, and he was he lost to Fernando Verdasco in the second round. How big of a loss is that for Andy Murray, a guy who was number one in the world before his injury? Yeah, um... Really, when you're coming off of injury, we don't really know as an outside fan on how severe that injury is or how that really affects a player. Um, dealing with injury is not something that I say you can really expect. Right? We can expect that you're going to get injured, right? Mm-hmm. But when you come back, it's hard to expect on how you're going to do against people that are at their prime and at their full health. So I don't think this is a letdown for Murray. I think he's going to use this as a stepping stool to get to where he wants to be, right? Where he wants to be back at the top. Um, and I, I don't think this is the loss. He lost to um, a veteran in the league, someone who does have a lot of experience. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I would not look at this as a disappointment, but as a fresh start. And going to women's tennis, number one in the world, Simona Halep bounced in the first round of the U.S. Open. She has kind of a history of losing in first round of majors. Last year, she made it to three major finals, lost all of them, won her first major this year at the French Open. Is this a big loss for Halep? Absolutely. If she's ranked in the top echelon of women's she's tennis, so yeah. she's at the top of the, and she had three finals last year and won one of them this year, this is a big disappointment losing so early in the tournament, especially this uh, the huge U.S. Open. I would look at this as a disappointment. She is at the top of her game. Not that game, though. She was a big disappointment. Not a very good for her staff and her coaching. So yeah. they have a lot to work on there. But Also, number two in the world, Caroline Wozniak, you lost yesterday in the second round. How, did, how big of a loss is that for her? She won her first major, actually, this season at the Australian Open. Okay, so that tells me um, that she is, I think, just starting to get into her prime. She won only this year. She's actually first... been in the ATP for a while now. I know I'm I know I'm know kind of coming up, but she's been in the ATP for a while. She won her first major. She's getting up there in age, but is this kind of a big loss for her, considering that she was one of the favorites to win, and she got bounced early at Wimbledon as well? Exactly. I think... Anytime when one of the top players gets bounced so early in the tournament that it is a disappointment, especially if you're looked at as a person who can potentially win the tournament, that is something that not many people see coming. It's kind of reminded me on like Loyola Chicago last year in the um, the basketball championship for the college, for the collegiate um, tournament. Um, they were not expected to go far, right? They did. They knocked out a lot of teams early. But lost right. to my Wolverines. Exactly. They lost to the Wolverines, but they knocked out good teams early. And that was something that not many people saw coming. So kind of in an opposite situation, Loyola Chicago, they were the Cinderella story. And maybe Cinderella forgot her glass slipper mm-hmm. in the other women's cases. Yeah. So I think they a big flop. That's all for the tennis news right now. 
And now we'll move on to basketball. It's been a busy off season. I don't, I can't catch up on the past month that we've missed. But I'm just gonna go for right now the most ne- recent yes. news. We all know LeBron James. He's a very big social advocate. He likes to speak his mind a lot out there on politics and all that. And he made a statement saying it didn't feel right to stay quiet on social issues. Nathan, I want to ask you a question because of that. Do you yeah. think athletes should be able to speak their minds about like? Let's just say I'm going to get politics or whatever. Do you think athletes should be able to speak their mind or do you think they shouldn't? I think they definitely have the right, right? And I'm not going to say they should. I'm saying they could, right? I'm a big believer in our First Amendment. I think that applies to everyone regardless of their social status Mm -hmm. or profession. And I think people should be able to speak their mind. Could is the word I'm using, not should. I do not think they should speak their mind, right, about politics. I do like what they do in the community. LeBron James, I know he built the school. I know he's donated a lot of his money. I cannot take it away from him, his skill sets on the court, and also his generosity with his money off the court. Mm -hmm. What I do not appreciate from LeBron is some of his comments in rebuttal to some of the political figures. I understand he has an opinion, but he needs to be very careful what he says because he makes people kind of distance themselves from some of his gutsy comments. I myself, I'm a conservative, but I think I'm a, very, I'm a moderate one who has a very open mind. LeBron James is a person who definitely has a very liberal opinion, and it's a very profound opinion. He just needs to, I think, watch if, if he's getting too close on dangerous water. Well, and then there's also, like, you know how the incident that happened, um, one of the Fox News hosts, I think uh, Laura Ingram, she said um, to LeBron and how he should shut up and dribble and basically, like, insulted him. I think there was one part where he said someone who tried to leave high school to go to the NBA early and basically calling him stupid. Do you think that then he, the like people like those political people should be talking like crap about LeBron? Well, LeBron's not like insulting. He's he's speaking his mind, but they're they're calling him, him stupid basically saying that he should shut up and like shut his mouth and keep his opinion to himself. Correct. So we went on Laura Ingram. I'm a big fan of Laura Ingram. I think she does a very good job on Fox News. Her television show, The Ingram Angle, is actually the fourth most popular news cable show in the country. So she is a very popular figure, especially to the conservative party. I'm not trying to get too deep into politics, but Mm -hmm. I get what she's saying in the instance of, I think she worded it poorly. I think she could have maybe done a little better. I think the gift was a decent one, but I think the packaging was a little rough. She said it in a way in which it was a very, it was more like an attack than mm-hmm. a recommendation. And this isn't like the first time she's done something like this. You know that like one dude after the Parkland shooting, she kind of made fun of him and how he got rejected from a bunch of schools basically because he was trying to, he was against, you know, kind of all the like gun control and all that. I mean, he was with, for gun control and, you know, the conservative party, I think, is more like saying that, you know, I don't really know like that, but basically... He, he, she insulted him and how like he got rejected from three schools and all that. It's not the first time she's done that either. That's what I. That's why I'm saying. I see. Her. I'm not taking this thing as, as LeBron yeah. as too serious, right? It was. Yeah. It was one comment in which LeBron has made a lot of comments about political figures. He mm-hmm. called our president a bum. He's used many words. Said he would on on an interview with Don Lemon on CNN. He said. I would never want to speak to with the president face to face. He said, I don't respect, etc. And said a lot of uh, more creative yeah. terms on CNN with Don Lemon. But, um, and those are another thing. So mm-hmm. no one's innocent, yeah. right? I get that they don't see eye to eye in political matters, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, he's a great player in basketball and he's mm-hmm. doing a good job in the community. So that's all I have on that one. And also going on politics, I'm going to be starting my own political 
podcast here. I'm going to start my own Anchor account, and that should be coming out to you rather shortly. I'll give you more information on that once that airs. I'm going to have mm-hmm. Anch. You're going to join with me in many mm-hmm. of the episodes and a lot of our other political friends yeah. and um, acquaintances who know a lot about the category. I just want to throw that out yeah. there as a little tidbit, but no. Yeah, a bunch of sophomores know a lot about politics. <laughs> well, yeah. Good conversation. Yeah. That was a good one. All right. Now we're going to talk about a Spurs legend. I think you, anyone, when they hear the name non-basketball, knows it. Manu Ginobili retiring after 15 seasons in the league. The Spurs, he won four championships as a San Antonio Spurs, a big member, had won six man of the year, and has just always been a great player. What is What do you like like most about Manu Ginobili and, his, and like, what do you feel about his retirement? You know, I, I think it is. It is time. I think I'm. It, I don't think it's really caught anyone by surprise. Growing up there in age, and it's it's for the old guys. I have a lot of respect for them. When a lot of this game's getting younger and younger and younger, it's hard to compete with these people who are just, I think, more athletically capable at this point in their life. When you got like a thirty-eight year old, right in Vince Carter's case, in his forties, competing with guys in their twenty in their prime shape, very difficult. But no, he's had a lasting impact on the Spurs, and he is one of the reasons why Greg Popovich is so mm-hmm. successful, and is also one of the reasons why the Spurs franchise is so stable and it draws people in. He, will he have his jersey retired? Absolutely, I think he will, especially staying with them for such an extended period of time, and having that much success leading them, like you said, yeah. to the titles, winning sixth man of the year. He had a great impact, and he'll be missed. And you know, he stayed his whole career with the Spurs, so did Tim Duncan, but then... Tony Parker, you know, this summer he left for Charlotte. I mean, I under he's old. Like, especially if you want to leave a team who you think, okay, maybe they're not going to be competing for a title anytime soon. Like, maybe go to a team that would. I'm not saying, like, that maybe you should ring chase because he has plenty of those. But I'm saying if you're going to leave your team, you might as well go for something that's worth it. And I don't think Charlotte's worth it. That's what Tony Parker did. And that's – it won't hurt his legacy, but I think it's just, like, something, you know, like, it's things, something you don't want to remember. Like, you don't want to remember Jordan on the Wizards. Or, like, all, a lot of these players when they're on, like, teams like Steve Nash on the Lakers. You try not to remember it, and you remember the good days when he was with the Suns. That's what I don't like about Tony Parker's move. To there the has to be an outside reason why he's doing this. Maybe yeah. he wants to help. Maybe he's this potential in an organization. He wants to go and maybe a leadership veteran presence to maybe help push forth the young talent in Charlotte. Um, the only thing, that's really the only thing I can think of because... It's not like they're going anywhere relatively no. anytime soon. They got rid of um, Dwight Howard. Who's had one of now his best with the seasons. Wizards. Just had a great season. Yeah, he had one of his best seasons since he was with Orlando. And I, I didn't get the trade whatsoever for for Charlotte. Me either. And um, Kemba Walker is Kemba not, Walker is not like, pleased yeah. with, the, with the... Kemba Walker, I think he might leave. I, I seriously have, like, think that he's going to leave. And Michael Jordan, if we're going to talk, he's the owner. I don't think he's a very good owner. I in that and that is popular. For example, like Jason Kidd, I believe he's a great player. Not a very, not a very successful <laughs> coach with the Bucks. But then there's like some players who you see that I think like um, yeah, I got to think of Larry name. Bird was a Larry great Bird, coach. Yeah. Then you have Kevin McHale, who's another very successful coach. Right. So it, it is it is popular. Steve Kerr mm-hmm. does a very good job with Golden State. But you know, I I just think just because he was able to lead a team does not mean. He is financially savvy, does not mean he knows what moves to do, mm-hmm. knows what people to hire, knows how to draw in the crowd. You know, just because he's a good player, on, a good leader on the court does not mean he's necessarily a good leader for an organization. I completely agree. So this um, summer, I believe it was this summer, there was an incident with a Milwaukee Bucks player named Sterling Brown. I actually saw him live when I went to a Pistons game this season. So what happened with Sterling Brown is he... 
um, there was a, he had a parking violation, and one thing led to another. He was tased and arrested. And you know this whole thing that's been happening in the world about police brutality against black people and all that. And he, and he had a lawsuit against the Milwaukee police. The Milwaukee, Milwaukee police apologized and all that. What is what do you think like happened? Do you think there maybe would have been that something that happened like that would have provoked this, or do you think this was one another one of those incidents where the police were unjust and completely? So were this out of is the a right? very touchy issue because. My first instinct, just like all of ours should be, is to give the police the benefit of the doubt, right? I have a great respect for law enforcement, so should we all. They put their lives on the line to protect us, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to say, because I would not know enough information of what they did was just. Maybe Sterling did deserve a tase and an arrest. I don't know what he did. Maybe provoke the police officer, mm-hmm. tried to fight back. I don't know there what was he a, did. There's a video. I, I actually have seen the video out there. He really didn't do anything. And there's actually um the officers. It looks like they're laughing. And they were – all three of them were suspended without pay. And they were, like, celebrating their actions, which would made everyone else even, like, more angry. Especially, like, you know, maybe – Fine, okay, I did something. But to celebrate the actions of, like, tasing a man, arresting him, and, like, just being completely brutal, it was just ridiculous. And the mayor of, the mayor, Tom Barrett, said no citizen citizen should be treated this way. And I I think... I agree. And we need to understand that this is a bipartisan issue. It's not, it's not Democrat or Republican. It's not black or white. Worldwide issue. This is a problem for every single person in America. And remember... We need to get together on this, and we need to stop police brutality. Mm-hmm. I am not going to say that it's just African Americans, just Hispanics, mm-hmm. Latinos. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that. Police brutality happens everywhere, and it is a bad, it's bad fight. But you know what we cannot do? Mm-hmm. We cannot take that anger from some instances from some bad cops and this some of that corrupt action... And then reflected on every single law enforcement officer. Yeah, right. So like, many of them are good. And I know. And I've seen it. Like, there's a lot of good cops who've done so many great things and all that and helping people and all that. Yes. But then there's the some. And, like, it's basically stereotyping as cops as thugs and bullies. Exactly. When they're, they're not. When they're black cops. Like, oh, I've yeah. seen black cops and Latino cops and all that. And it's something that, you know, is making people more and more scared of the police when you should think of the police as kind of a keep law force and keeping and yes. trying to keep you safe from people who are bad and we shouldn't be scared of the police correct that's what i don't like about this issue going on staying in milwaukee so this summer enos Cantor kind of posted on his twitter for some reason a picture of a deer it was an emoji of a deer so many people were like oh is enos Cantor wanting to go to milwaukee and he of course turned on the rumor and then a couple months later he kind of says he was i guess a media member asked him about it he says you don't leave New York City for Milwaukee, basically throwing shade at Milwaukee. What do you think about this? Because I know both of you, me and you are kind of both, we like the Bucks. because yeah. Giannis is my favorite player, and I don't know, you just, you like the Bucks. I do, um, and I think that comment, frankly, is something that has no, um, no value, because look at both teams in New York, both teams that They're are not really, really do, that successful. The Knicks maybe a, right. a little higher than the Nets, but think about this, Brooke Lopez was a net. Went to the Lakers and now end up in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Probably the best fit for him right yeah. now. Yeah, and the thing is, New York as a franchise has been basically not good since... I mean, Carmel and Anthony maybe lifted them up a little bit, but they haven't been good in a while. I think their last, like, great player was, I think, their last good in the Patrick Ewing era. Like, really, like, title competitors. Yeah. And then, you know, 
New York's bad. And then Milwaukee, they're a team that's on the rise. I mean, they are one of the best teams in the East, for sure. I think anyone yeah. can, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Eric Budsell, Thon Maker, all these great pieces that Milwaukee has that they can win a title. I think Milwaukee's going to be in the fight to get the fourth or fifth mm-hmm. spot in the East, and I think they can get that rather easily with the Cavaliers being irrelevant and a lot of other teams that have kind of fallen by the wayside. Mm-hmm. The Wizards, I think they've gotten better. Raptors, I think they Raptors could have, be number one. I, I think, think the Raptors are going to be number one. The Celtics are still a fighting chance with Hayward back. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a tough... Got to watch the top four teams in the East. East is going to be a French, I mean, a, um, conference that's going to be really fun to watch because I think that um, the East is really just like... It's all wide open for the taking, but I still think the Warriors are going to win the title. Like, I don't think there's any argument there. The West may have improved, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers, but the Lakers don't really have anyone else besides... LeBron. I don't know so close on the Warriors. I could see the Rockets giving a legitimate but shot I think if, at the title. I think last year, if they had Chris Paul in six, game six and seven, they're in the finals. But well, They are going to have Chris Paul. And no, I'm saying, Car- no, no, I'm, I'm saying, saying this yeah. year. They're going to have Chris Paul. They're going to have Harden. They're going to have Camelo. They're going to have Capella. Yeah. This is a good team. They also have Ryan Anderson, another supporting Ryan team. Anderson, yeah. Ryan like Anderson actually team. got traded. We're going to talk about that later. Oh, really? Yeah, he got traded. But... The thing is, I didn't like the Carmelo Anthony signing. I like Trevor Ariza because Trevor Ariza was just a spot-up shooter. The Suns actually got a really good deal in getting him. I thought that was the biggest loss for the Rockets this season. I didn't think. I think maybe the biggest thing in free agency that happened to them wasn't signing Melo. It was losing Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza was a very big piece on that Rockets team and one of the reasons why they were so successful. But, you know... I don't know. I guess uh, the I think the Rockets. I don't think so because of Boogie. Now that Demarcus Cousins is on the Warriors, I don't really think they even have a shot. But hey, you know anything can happen in the NBA. There you go. Staying with the New York Nick, New York Nick legend Walt Frazier on their le- who is actually the um, star player on their last championship team, which was in the nineteen seventies, throwing some criticism at Durant, saying there will be an asterisk next to his name. What do you think he meant by this? Well, this is kind of a fuzzy area, and when he's saying this, I think most people will imply that, I know you were explaining this before we went on air, that it's more of like a clause or more of kind of a troubleshoot. Basically like, like yeah. Alert, alert. Basically like if you see like, oh, let's just say Kevin Durant finishes the title with five championships, but like then an asterisk, so let's say like there's an asterisk next to him was on Warriors. I guess kind of like that was like an, a thing that like he won all those five championships on the Warriors with a great team. Like basically exactly. a team that he joined. I, I can't discredit how good he is. He's a great player. He's a great He's player. Second best in the NBA for sure. And he did what he had to do to win a title. And if he stayed in OKC, are you going to tell me that they're going to get as good and put the piece around him? I don't know, frankly. If This would have been out. the lineup in OKC if he would have stayed that summer. It would have been, um, I believe, Westbrook, Oladipo, because he was on the team that summer, Durant, power forward. I think Enos Cantor was still there. So Cantor and then Adams. That's a stacked team. Think about how good that is. And I think the, who's their power forward right now? It was Melo last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, but basically, like, that would have been a really good team. And they were um, a game away from the finals the year before. They, they had a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals. Am I going to say that they each player would have developed as they would have now? Not necessarily. Oladipo, we both know, would not have been anywhere as close as he mm-hmm. was as powerful or as good if he did not go to, I think, a little weaker team as the Pacers. So not everything would have fallen into place like it would have, just like they are now. But 
I think they would have had a good team and probably get to the second round, but I, yeah. I don't think they could have won a championship over the great teams in the West. I, I actually do think that. I like that Thunder team. I really did. And I think that um they made the Oladipo move to try to keep Durant, and I think the Magic were idiots to trade away Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo, now you see him, he's leading this Pacers team, who I think they were the five seed in the East last year when they were supposed to be rebuilding. Yeah. But now they're a five seed in the East, and they're going to be good this year, and I, I know it because you know, they have a really good point guard in Darren Collison. Of course, Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, who many people forget about, who's a, a really good center, and I think he has so much room to improve. So, I like that team. Moving on, so David West, NBA veteran, he played for the New Orleans Hornets, the Indiana Pacers, and ended his career off with the Warriors, is now retiring. Any comments, really? Uh, frankly, when I was not really a basketball fan, when West kind of started out his career, kind of picked it up later in my life mm-hmm. as of now. Um, but no, I've seen Wes play. I know he was a very important part of some teams that he's been on, kind he of was, a stabilizer. Um, he was very important, I think, piece on that Hornets team when they had Chris Paul, and on the Pacers when they were, you know, making conference finals against LeBron, against LeBron's Heat. Yeah, I think very um, important. He, I know, I've heard he was a very good player. I've seen some video of him, but um, I just have to say, great career for him, and I think ending it. On the Warriors was a good round. Yeah, he got that. He got a ring. Yeah. I think for David West, not many people are mad at him because, like, David West, I think he he always, he was a hard worker. He was a really good mid-range shooter. He was a hard worker for any team. Any team, it was like, it was, it was a pleasure to have him because he's such a hard-working player. He was a big part of the Pacers when they were making conference finals. He was a big part in that Hornets team when Chris Paul was, like, carrying. He was kind of taking a little bit of that load. I'm not saying he's a star by any means, but David West was always such a, was a really good player. Former All-Star, yeah. I think so, yeah. No, he was, yeah. Oh. Former All-Star, David West. There you go, but he's a great player. I don't think he made the Hall of Fame, but amazing career for David West. Now, we're going to move on. We were just talking about this. The Rockets made a trade today, trading Ryan Anderson and Melton for Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight. Who won the trade? I'm going to say the and Rockets I'm gonna, won this yeah, trade. Yeah, I'm going to give you like a fact. Ryan Anderson had one of the worst contracts in the NBA, and the Rockets have been trying to get rid of that for years. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the Rockets got the benefit. Uh, were the beneficiary of this trade. I think Chris and... Knight, two good young players from the Suns. From the Suns' perspective, I don't see why yeah. they would do this Marquise trade. Marquise Chris was a really young piece. I think he was the third overall pick in a draft. I believe. I'm not really sure. But he was, he's a good piece, and I like Marquise Chris. And I think this was a weird trade for the Suns. But maybe they're trying to kind of emulate that um, Houston success because they do have also Trevor Ariza, like I said. So for the Suns, maybe I don't know if they're trying to emulate that Houston success story. Because they have, it's a very similar team, I would say. They have like a, I mean, I'm not going to call Tyson Chandler a rim protector in any way. But um, I think they're trying to emulate that Rocket success, kind of getting two players who are in that formula of a team that made the conference finals and was the best team in the West. Well, yeah, the whole three-point, actually, that whole three-point formula was actually started... By Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix. When he was in Phoenix right, that team. the Suns. I think so. I remember the lineup. It was like... Um, this is like their best team, I believe. It was ben Steve Nash, Nash yeah. um, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion. I don't. I forget. I remember they had a really good three point shooting team. Exactly. Suns were there. They were always such a great team, and D'Antoni, it worked for them. But then you know, came to the Knicks. Mello was kind of a really weird personality for him. Then got a job with the Rockets after they fired McHale and brought them out of the depths. I feel like of like they were really bad at one point. I agree. Wonderful. And. 
this is the final thing. We are have it's been a while since we've seen Chris Bosch, right? He, oh yeah, Chris Bosch. It, it's been a long time. And the reasoning, time. of course, was he had blood clots and his he's taking a break. He is still eyeing a return to the NBA. Do you think this is I? So what I was telling, I was talking to my I think my dad or my brother about this. One, of them. I was talking like, yeah, you know, Chris Bosch is actually trying to get back in the NBA, and I go, and then my brother, my brother's like, really? I'm like, yeah, but I don't think it's a good move because I think Chris Bosch. I think you know, blood clots. It's something like um. Um, you know, very, very serious thing. And I know because there's been people in my family who've had, you know, blood clots and have had to get um, bypass surgeries to get, you know, these blood clots, you know, fixed. And I think for Chris Bosh, an NBA return isn't smart because I, I think any team is weary. Like, I don't want to see this guy die on the court, which is not even like an exaggeration. There's a player, I think, you know, Pete Maravich, he died on yeah. a basketball court. Yeah. It's, um, I don't think this is a very intelligent move for Chris Bosh. He had such a good, good career before the um, the injuries plagued him with the blood clots and such. He had such a good career. I don't see why he is urging mm-hmm. to just get back as if this was the only thing that he can do in his life. He, he has the money. That's not what he's looking for. I get it. It's because he loves the game and he loves it with all of his heart. I think he should maybe use that opportunity and use that desire to maybe go into a management position, coaching position maybe, or a front office if he really still wants to be in the game. But if I was a general manager, I'm not taking a chance on Bosch. I'm not going to be reliable. Um, I'm not going to be liable if he gets injured again or if if you, like, like you said, if he passes away. I mean, I'm that not may be responsible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, like, that's a serious thing, like especially like buckout, especially if you're running, like it's it's hard. Like you you lose breath because you know your your heart isn't able to your blood isn't able to reach your heart, like or your heart isn't able to oxygenate blood. So it's really bad, especially because basketball is a sport in which you're running up and down the court yeah. so much, and it's very physical and all that. So I don't I don't know. Chris Bosh is a really big risk. That's all really for NBA and tennis. So. I'm going to give it to Ethan. Let's see what's been happening in the baseball world as we come closer to October. Yes, October is nearing, and this is the perfect time for baseball. The tr- the trade deadline was is already over, but now mm-hmm. we're in the waiver deadline, and this is very interesting. Can you explain to me what this is? Because I've seen, like, you know, oh, the trade deadline happened. Oh, there's a trade. But then another trade happens. I'm like, wait, isn't it past the deadline? Exactly. This is where it gets very interesting. Like, last year, the Houston Astros acquired Justin Verlander after the trade deadline on waivers. The whole waiver deadline is they can claim someone's waivers, but it's not necessarily they're going to get this player. It, it has to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. So you can be trying to claim waivers on multiple players, but it can never be confirmed. But if you get confirmed, these are usually people with larger contracts, like I said, Justin Verlander. And the first player I'm going to say is Andrew McCutcheon. The Yankees acquired him for two minor leaguers. So this is another trade. After the trade deadline, that was a big move for the Yankees. So what position does Andrew McCutcheon play? He was, on the Pirates, he was a center fielder, but his defense is not the best out of the outfielders. When he was with the Pirates, Starling Marte, probably one of, controversially, one of the best defensive outfielders in the National League. He does a very good job. He took over center field and pushed McCutcheon over to left or right. When he was with the um, the Giants this year, I think he was either floating around either mm-hmm. one of the corners or center field. In my opinion, he's one of a more corner mm-hmm. outfielder. But with the Yankees, we're going to have to see where he falls in. I like this move. I think the Yankees are a team that they're trying to get a ball, like push over the edge to maybe beat out a team and make a run to the World Series. Definitely a team 
that if they weren't in the AL East, they would be number one in their division, wherever that may be. Exactly. They're Basically, having a like, very they're going to be in the wild card, but they're not really a wild card team because, yeah, the Sox, they're just amazingly good. They're just one of the best teams. They're the best team in the league. And the Yankees just aren't able to catch the Red Sox. And so they're going to be in the wild card. They're definitely, they make the, they made the playoffs already. I mean, maybe it's not confirmed, but they're going to, unless they completely, like, royally screw up. But I really do like this move. Yankees, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon, I remember watching him on the Pirates. I saw him this year with the Giants, and I think he's a very good hitter. He gets get a lot of base hits, hits home runs, and I think that um, he's going to be a good move, a good piece for the Yankees moving forward as October comes around. I agree. Former MVP, a, many, a multiple-time All-Star. This year he is kind of on the, on the decline ever since he really had one of his difficult years in Pittsburgh. I think they said ever since he cut off those dreads, his career is starting to go down the tank. Get the dreads back. I know, but he, this year he's hitting two fifty five with 15 home runs and 55 RBIs. Not too shabby, but definitely not anywhere close to his MVP or even all-star self. Mm-hmm. Next thing on the list, we have John Gant, a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a very interesting statistic. He has two hits in his career, really? right out of 36 at-bats, and both of those hits are home runs. He has two home runs, and that makes him the only player ever to have his have two home runs without reaching base by any other means. He's a pitcher too. Perhaps. He is a pitcher and that pushed their lead to two nothing over the Pirates and ended up winning five nothing. But that is a really interesting statistic and it makes me think kind of these power hitters in the game. You get Chris Davis, I know Giancarlo Stanton. Mm-hmm. These are players that are not hitting that many base hits. Yes, granted they are hitting more base hits than John Gant, which is a pitcher, yeah. but they're very power dominant. As a general manager, how important is the home run, even if you're sacrificing getting base hits? You know, a home run is obviously a very integral part, because you get a bunch of base hits. Like, let's just say, um, let's just say Stanton's batting fourth. The night, three players both get a base hit, both now all three are on base. Now you feel really confident when you got a guy like Stanton up at the plate who can hit bombs wherever he wants. And that's the thing with Giancarlo Stanton. He's such a great player. And I think the home run is really good. But you also can't devalue the base hit. The base hit is a very a, a very important thing. Like, you have a lot of players who thrive on that. Like, D. Gordon. He gets so many infield hits. I've seen it a lot. For the, he plays for the Mariners, right? Yeah. So, I've seen a lot. You know, D. Gordon, he just... Maybe he'll maybe hit a little dinker, and he'll get on base, even if it's in the infield, because he's so fast. Yeah. And, that, and a D. Gordon's a very important piece to have, I think, for a team, like, especially for the Mariners. And I think any team would be um, grateful to have him because he's such, like, you know, okay, D. Gordon's up. There's a very good chance he's going to get on base. Yes. Because he's about to sprint his life out to get to that base. Exactly. Like, with with a base hit, you can get, technically, you can get, let's say you get mm-hmm. three base hits in an inning, right? Get to first, hit him second, first and second, hit another one, base is loaded. Right. And you get out, you get no runs. Right? Yeah. Let's say you get guy on first and second, you get a home run, that's three runs. So... The value isn't a home run, but like they say, a lot of the power hitters, they strike out a lot. Giancarlo, Aaron Judge, Chris Davis, a lot of strikeouts. So you got to yeah. be worried about that. Make sure you, the, uh, they plan the lineup accordingly. Still staying on the Stanton, this whole fix. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is the fifth fastest player to reach 300 home runs in Major League history. Falls behind Ralph Kiner, Ryan Howard, Juan Gonzalez, and Alex Rodriguez. This is a huge milestone for him. Now the question is, how high is the ceiling? Let's let's move Alex Rodriguez out of there. He's kind of a cheater. Yes, he is a cheater. As long as 
And I'm surprised you don't see a name like Barry Bonds on this list. Know. Barry Bonds is not on the list. And look how many home runs he ended mm-hmm. up hitting. Who was he also cheated using PEDs? You know, I don't like I don't like how baseball keeps these cheaters on the on their leaderboards. Like, oh yeah, maybe the season that um. What was it? It was Barry Bonds and another player. I'm blanking on the name. Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire, yes. Those two had this really big, epic home run battle. Both on steroids. Both cheaters, exactly. And that's, I don't like how A-Rod's on that list. I think, bump him off the list. I think if you cheat, you're like, records should be gone. Like how Lance Armstrong, or I, his name is Lance Armstrong. Yeah, Lance yeah, Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. He cheated. He admitted it. He, he, he doped. All of his records, all of his trophies, gone. Which Why I does think, baseball do that? I agree. And now it, the scariest thing for me is they are even thinking about letting these people in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is still on the ballot, and he year by year he is getting more and more votes. And this is this is scary for baseball fans. And then you don't let Pete Rose. And then Pete Rose is not in for Pete his Rose, gambling. Okay, like come on, he gambled for his team to win. Exactly. He, it's not like he gambled against his team and then played bad. And sure, it is. It's definitely wrong. But it's not like an umpire betting, which has happened in the NBA. We've had that happen where a ref betted on games. Yeah. It's not like he he can't determine the outcome that much as much as an umpire could have, let's just say, they betted. But then you have these cheaters like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Alex Rodriguez, all these cheaters who are praised of being great players, and they're, they cheated completely. Exactly. Like, you would think that betting for your team would make you want to play harder, yeah. would you say? So, but <laughs> Right? And I think he's using his money to his own desire for his team and his own benefit. I don't, I don't find a problem with it. In my opinion, if Bonds is in, you got to put Rose in. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to have to follow that story in the know. Hall of Fame, and we will definitely... Not going to happen for a while, but we're going to keep Sorry, you I completely went off the question. What was the actual question? I completely went off. No, no, you're fine. I, I was just saying I'm yeah. surprised I didn't see um, like Bonds on the list. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, how important it is for um, Stanton to get like 300. What was the question? I'm, I'm sorry. How me. high is the ceiling? He's at 300. How high can it get? Oh, it can get much higher. How old is he? That's, that's a good question. I'm going to look that up. We're going to oh, have to young. see. He's, I, I, he's not too old, I he's would not, say. Yeah, he's He's, I mean, especially with the Marlins, he was just always, like, hitting bombs, basically. He, he had the freedom to do whatever he wanted on the Marlins. Now, in the Yankees, he's still doing the same thing, hitting home runs. He's after. 28. Okay, and he's basically in his prime. And I think the ceiling, it's higher, especially because especially um, he can hit the ball very far. I've seen him I've seen hit home runs that are insanely far. And that's the thing about um, John Carlos Danton. He's such a great player. The Yankees, I was surprised they even got him. But they did, and now the Yankees have a chance to win the World Series. And I think John Carlos Stanton is probably one of the best players in baseball at this very moment. He is. And, you know, if you just want to see remarkable home runs, pull up a highlight reel of his um, just major just major moon shots and just his lasers that he just bolts out of here. Just look it up on YouTube. John Carlos Stanton's home runs. Yeah. Right? And it's amazing. You see he'll hit to right field, left field, center, and he'll hit them. 450 mm-hmm. feet, or he'll hit a line drive that clears the fence, but he has so much power. He won the home run derby all for him. He is such a good player. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to follow him in his home run chase throughout his career. Yeah. And then just going kind of into the standings, like we're saying, nearing yeah. October, we need to really follow this because it's starting to get down to the wire. These teams that are on the bubble, mm-hmm. it's either now or never if they're going to want to get in this season. And um, we have the Rays. They are a team that we all thought was rebuilding. They are 9-1 in the last 10 games. 
and they are 71 and 62, nine games above 500. This is the main, main big surprise for the Rays. They still find themselves 21 games back of the Red Sox. <laughs> That's just such a good division. You have, like, how many teams are per division? I, I'm blanking on You have five. Okay, so basically, I think the Blue Jays are in that division. Yeah, Blue Jays and also the Orioles, which find themselves two teams, 52 and a half games yeah. out. Two teams that really aren't good. And then you have these three teams. And the, Ray, the Rays, who are really good, but are 21 games out. Exactly. Like, if they were in the Central, they would be second in the, in the, the, in the AL Central. Who's, who's, cent- who's second or not? I'm, I bet you 100% their record's not over 500. The Twins and they are nine games below 500. That's like, I, I don't even know. The Indians have a very um, easy road. They do. They are <laughs> safe 14 games above. They have. They pretty much have that in, a, in the bag. Red Sox... They pretty much have that eight and a half up. They're mm. pretty much in the bag unless Yankees go on a big spree. Red Sox start losing. I know there's a couple of divisions in the NL that are really heating up. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go actually talk. I'm gonna go through each division and kind of give us a little bit of a insight on how that's looking shaped towards October. All right. I already talked about the top two. We're gonna go to the West. AL West, good division. Mm-hmm. Astros are on top, seven and three in their last ten. They caught a little bit of fire, which separated the gap. I remember when the Athletics were nearing. They're back. They were right on top what of them. What about the Mariners? Weren't they? They they had a bit of a hot streak going. Like I think last time we recorded a podcast, really. You know, I was I was calling that they were going to be a wild card, pretty much almost a wild card guarantee. They fell off the road, and they are just not playing as they should be. But I can't really say that because their record is seventy five and fifty nine. Yeah, right. But they have distanced themselves seven games out of first place, still in that wild card hunt. So we're going to definitely follow that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Angels and the Rangers are pretty much obsolete. Mm-hmm. Going into the NL East, the Braves has a three-game lead on top of the Phillies. Braves six and four in the last ten. Phillies three and seven. That kind of lengthened the gap. They it's pretty much a two-man race. The Nationals seven and a half games out, underperformed, underwhelming. Give me some thoughts about the Nationals. Bryce Harper. You know when you have a team like the Nationals, like I don't know. I I, I think I discussed before the Washington sports curse. Just happens to all the teams in Washington. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna count the Redskins, but recently, the Capitals before they won the World Series and go to hockey, they like kept getting bounced in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the Wizards, they kept getting bounced in the second round of the playoffs. And the Nationals now they're not even in the playoffs. So yeah, I don't know. You have a player like Bryce Harper, who's a fr- who's like just a franchise turning player and who can who should be able to lead a team like the Nationals, who I think they put a pretty good um team around Bryce Harper to win a. Uh, World Series, but the Braves, I think they were a surprise team this year. The Phillies, for sure, were a surprise. I think these two teams were just, they worked their hearts off, and they were playing so well, but now... That's the thing. The The Nationals have so many pieces. Their rotation, if you look at it on paper, is a good one. You look at their lineup, it's a powerful one, but they are just underperforming, and their record is 500, and they should not be a 500 team. Then you kind of look at the manager, Martinez, Dave Martinez, he is just, is it time for him to go? Is it time for him to stay? Their manager before... Was, was Dusty Baker, Dusty and he Baker. led them to 90 wins, 90 plus win like, seasons, and he was gone because of his lack to get him through playoff rounds. Now look at it. They put a new manager, can't even make the Dusty playoffs. Dusty Baker was such a good manager, and I was puzzled by the move that to get rid of him. Like he, He's a really good manager for the, um, for the Nationals, and I was going to say, like, if they didn't, if they lost, if they got rid of him, at least go for like Joe Girardi. No, they get this guy who's not even doing well at all. Exactly, they gave him a shot, and 
Like they say in baseball, swing and a miss, strike three. Going to the Central, one of my favorite divisions. This one's very interesting. Kind of a three-man race, but this race, the the Cardinals and the Brewers kind of started a little bit late. Yeah. The Cubs have a four-and-a-half game lead on fire in the past ten games, but so are all the teams. Cubs eight and two, Cardinals seven and three, and Brewers seven and three. Hot division. Mm-hmm. We're gonna follow that one. And a West, probably the closest division. Diamondbacks have the lead. Not something I thought I would say. Mm-hmm. Rockies. One and a half games back. Dodgers, two games back. Great division. We're going to follow that one. Yeah. And pretty much, we. I'm pretty much wrapped up on baseball. I thought that was a great segment, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to definitely have to follow this into October. Right. Very interesting division. This day in sports, we have this great segment that we love to do. This day in sports in 1881, the first men's single tennis championship in Rhode Island was held. Anj, please talk to us about the significance of this day in sports. I mean, tennis um, is one of my favorite sports, and I love playing it. I think this was, I mean, it was the first men's singles tournament, right? In yes. the U.S., at least. Yeah, and I think in the U.S., I, I, don't, I don't see it. I think the excitement for tennis just isn't here in the U.S., and it disappoints me. I mean, like, I like I can go to Europe, I feel like, and there would be so much interest in tennis. Like, you see, you know, crowds at the French Open and Wimbledon, there's full houses. I watched the U.S. Open, Arthur Ashe Stadium, biggest stadium in tennis. There's empty seats, and it really makes me sad when, like, the great players, like, I would pay, I would want, I want to go to the U.S. Open so badly considering it's an open, in, a major in my country, but, and then there's so many empty seats, and make me mad, being like, come on, there's such an, a great, you know, tournament, and there aren't many people going. I think the lack of, um, you know, interest in tennis really disappoints me, and I think, and there needs to just be more interest because it's such a great sport too. You know, many people are like, oh, it's boring and blah blah blah. But you know, those people haven't watched it. Exactly. They, they just they're prejudging. They probably don't play it. I know, Aunt, yeah. you and I were out there today. We played over at the courts this morning. Had a great game, mm-hmm. and we had a great time. It's a great exercise. It's a fun sport. Tons of fun. You don't need much equipment to play it. You need a racket, a ball, and a net. Yeah. And it's great that our neighborhood has. A net that we go and play, and we use that all the time. Great exercise, and if you're looking to something to do, yeah. I don't even care if your friend don't like sports, grab them by the shirt, drag them out yeah. there, get them to play tennis some tennis. Tennis doesn't even have that much effort to play. I mean, you just hit the ball back and forth over a net. It's not too difficult, and it's a sport that anyone can play, and I think you can turn anyone into a really good tennis player, even if they don't like the sport. Like, if I took, let's just say, someone who never played tennis in their life, and I was and like trained them and you know, teach them the fundamentals, they can be a great tennis player. And that's the thing about tennis, you know, I think at first, my dad and my brother would always watch tennis and be like, oh, just change the channel. But then I started to get to watch it, and I watched the, a lot of big tournaments, and I started keeping track of the sport, and I'm like, I, pre-jud- I prejudged the sport without even watching it, it's fun. And I now every time the majors come around, that's the thing that's on my TV all the time. And I'm keeping track of scores during school and all that, it's, it's fun. I love tennis so much, and there just needs to be more of interest in the United States. Hopefully while still doing and be doing well in school. I, I don't know. know. But now we're going to go to our last segment, and this one's just called Final Remarks. Anj, any final remarks here before you know, we go to school? <laughs> you know, school's fun. I mean, I, I mean, as much as people I hate it, it's fun to get to see people who maybe you haven't seen in the summer, you know, all that. You know, but, but regarding school, I think we said this in an earlier class, we're going to say it again. What our goal is, if we can, is to try to get one a week out, most likely during the weekends. 
try to get at least one out to you guys, you know, just going over, I guess, the past week in sports. We'll try to get those out. And, you know, this summer was fun. I loved launching this thing with my friend Ethan here. He was, you know, really supportive. I told him the idea, and he was really supportive, saying, hey, that's such a good idea. We should definitely do this. And, you know, the friends that we've had on and the more people that we're going to bring on, I think those, it's really fun, and I'm glad that we've been able to do this. Me as well. I think this is just a great platform for people to learn and to really connect on sports. Because I know you told me things today that I would never have known mm-hmm. about tennis, about basketball. And I, I bet I gave you some information about baseball that we might not have thought of in the forefront. So I think this is just a great thing to learn, to mm-hmm. connect, to engage. And we love doing it. And when we get the time, we will absolutely do it. Yeah. And I thank you, everyone, for tuning in. God bless you, and we'll see you next episode.